This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 62 with Carrie Wilkerson. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Carrie Wilkerson is the Barefoot Executive. She's a small town girl who was able to think beyond the city limits. Carrie is a best-selling author, an international speaker, an award-winning podcaster, and a sought-after radio guest. Featured on CNN and Fox Business News and named by Forbes as a top small business influencer, she's also consulted marketing and launch teams of Dr. John Maxwell, Zig Ziglar, Google Small Business, and other influential business leaders on business strategies and current trends. However, Carrie mostly enjoys helping ordinary people live extraordinary lives. Carrie speaks from the experience of a former corporate clock puncher, high school teacher, direct sales representative, growth consultant, and business coach. She got her big start in high school, bagging groceries for tips, only on a military base, and now she makes her living by giving tips to over 100,000 men and women as the barefoot executive. She can help you build the business you need so you can live the life that you want by connecting the dots between your why and your do. Whether you hang around her for her tough love business coaching or her never-ending supply of personal, family, or life encouragement, she'll inspire you and help you plan to do what you love on your terms, from your home, and yes, even barefoot if you want. Carrie has paid off over six figures in debt, lost over 120 pounds, and run several successful businesses from home. She is the proud mama of four kids, ages elementary school through college, and always barefoot, even as a child. She was named the Barefoot Executive when she was pregnant as an at-home CEO. Carrie believes you can create a life you love while keeping your priorities intact. 
always barefoot, even as a child, and nicknamed a barefoot executive when she was a pregnant at-home CEO, Carrie believes you can create a life you love while keeping your priorities intact. Okay, I have to say I'm pretty elated about this interview. She was recommended to me probably around 2010 as someone that I should just kind of start following and see what she's doing. One of my business mentors said, yeah, you should check out Carrie Wilkerson. She's a mom. She works from home. She's built this amazing business. You should just kind of follow her and see what she's doing. It would probably be really great inspiration for you. And so at the time I was really 100% in my fitness business and she doesn't do fitness stuff. And so I didn't follow her as much for the business stuff as I followed her because she's this amazing, just gorgeous mama. And the way she talks about her family and her kids on Facebook, oh, just like always had me, you know, in happy tears, just so many great stories and inspiring how she lives her life and how she supports her children and really is an advocate for her children. And she's also just like crazy successful on top of that in pursuing her own passions as a businesswoman. So I've been pretty impressed by her over the years. And when I reached out to her for this interview, I thought, you know, she probably has like a million things going on. She probably can't do the podcast, but what it can't hurt to ask. And this is why you should always ask because she said yes. And so she said yes. And I knew, I mean, I've known for a long time, and especially since starting this podcast, that Carrie is the epitome of a shameless mom. So this podcast gave me goosebumps multiple times. Carrie's words, her wisdom, you will learn some really valuable things today. You will learn just little like quotes and tidbits that you will carry with you forever. So please listen in, get ready to maybe take a few notes or just write down some words of inspiration. And please join me as we dive in with Carrie Wilkerson. Carrie Wilkerson, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. So I mentioned this in our little pre-interview, but I've been a long time Carrie Stalker. I'm sure I'm not the only one, (laughs) but I was originally drawn to you. You're an amazing businesswoman, and we're going to talk about some of that, but I was originally drawn to you as a mom because a mentor of mine suggested that I follow you on social media. And when I did, I was so touched by how you talked about your family. So that's kind of where I want to start us today. And then we'll also get into what you've done with business. And what you've done with business is very related to your family. You've really framed that around the needs of your family, which I love. So go ahead and tell us about your life beyond Facebook, beyond what I see in Facebook, and then <laughs> uh, share what who makes up your family and how you all came to be family. Yeah, so I've been married almost 25 years. I was Congratulations. Yeah, I was a baby when I got married. So we've kind of grown up uh, after we got married and been married 25 years. I have four children, 21, 19. They are biological siblings that I adopted from foster care. And then I have a second set. You know, we waited seven years and then we have two more that we made the old fashioned way and they are 12 and nine. So I tease them all the time and I say I have two store bought and two homemade. And (laughs) yeah, three girls, one boy, very, very busy. The older two are adopted. The younger two are biological. I am also one of four kids in my family and three of the four of us are adopted and one biological. So I love to tell people that adoption is in my DNA. It just wasn't really an option. We were going to adopt. End of story. That's a little bit how I screened boyfriends. Honestly, if they were not pro-adoption, like if they ever made a comment about one of the adopted siblings in my family or, you know, my parents must love us differently, those kind of things, they were out. They were gone because (laughs) I just knew I was going to be an adoptive mama, and so I kind of screened the boys that way, and so that's where we are. The older two are out of the house, and Mark 
has fetal alcohol syndrome from choices his birth mom made. So he is in a residential work program for disabled adults learning a trade and living semi-independently. Good for him. Uh Uh-huh. And... Emily is a 19-year-old college junior. Yes, they are birth siblings. She has no effects of fetal alcohol. She graduated high school at 16 and therefore is already in her third year at 19. She is studying music therapy so that she can work with populations like her brother to help them. I know it's a mom melt moment right there. And I've seen you post about her multiple times and I'm like, please let me have a teenager that is like, she just seems like the sweetest (laughs) non-teenager. Yeah, she's pretty incredible. She is fighting mono right now. She's on about month three of mononucleosis, and so it's kicking her tail big time along with marching band, and she's an RA at the college and so many other things. But then I've got the two littles are 12, so I have a junior high uh, cheerleader who is also studying to be on Broadway. She's my triple threat. She sings, dances, and acts. I've heard she looks a little bit like me. And then the <laughs> baby, and if you've seen her, you know yes, this to be true. Yes. And then the baby is nine, and she tumbles and is learning how to play volleyball. And she's my little sidekick. I mean, she really is my heart. And so that's all fourth grade, seventh grade, junior in college, and then working adults. That's us. So you're just a, a little bit busy, right? <laughs> A little bit busy. I am and love it. And I have spaced them out so that I will never have empty nest, I'm sure. By the oh. time the youngest graduates, the older two will be, you know, 29 and 30. Right. And I'm sure I'll probably be a grandparent at yeah. some point along yeah. in there. I can't even say that really without like choking up. That's oh, hard. Yeah. That feels old right there. Yeah. I'd, I'd just soon have more two kids at this point. But yeah. anyway, so we're very busy. But the reason I created a business was because of the adoption of the older two. I was working full time. I adopted them. It was clear they needed more than full time attention. How old uh, were they when you adopted them? Mark was a little bit over two and Emily was nine months. Okay. So little. Not, oh my gosh. Busy, little. Busy. Yeah, little. I went instant toddlers. Yeah. Wow. That's yep. like a major wake up call. It was major. It was pretty major. I was 26. My husband travels a lot with his job. And I look back now and think, I don't even remember how I survived a lot of those days because they were high needs and lots of therapy appointments and lots of therapy that I did with them. And I really, I don't remember a lot of those early days. Thank goodness I took pictures, but I don't remember (laughs) a lot of that because we just, we really do. We're in that sleep deprivation and survival mode, but they are the reason I created a business was because I decided I needed to be full-time mom. I have no judgment for people that work outside the home, none whatsoever. That just wasn't going to be the situation with these two. They had already been bounced around enough that they needed some stability. And I just couldn't find a great way to make that happen with passing the baton to somebody else during the day. So we made the leap. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, 
IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. When they first came to you, were you currently working outside the home and then you immediately made that switch or is that something that had to transition over time as you realized the needs of the kids? Yeah, that's a great question. I was teaching high school full time and not just teaching high school, but I was doing the yearbook and the newspaper and photojournalism. So it was a lot of extra hours. And so it was Emily came March 11th. Mark came April 1st. And then I took some maternity leave a couple weeks And then when I went back, I really thought, well, I can figure this out and make this work. But over the summer, I realized how much I felt like they needed me. And I gave my notice over the summer for them to find somebody else. Okay. And were you in a position then to be a single income family? Or did you know that like you had to immediately hustle? (laughs) No, no, we were not. We knew we were going to have to figure out a hustle. And this was in 1998 when people were not earning money online and people were not doing coaching and expertise-based businesses, this was, you had very limited options. So I went to this place that some of you might remember called a library. And (laughs) I had this thing called a library card and they would let me check out books. It was like Amazon, but you have to take the books back. Sounds so foreign. And I studied work at home and, and looked at all the options and they're just 
were not a lot of books that were super helpful, which incidentally is the book that I wrote. I wrote the book I wish I had had in 1998, The Barefoot Executive. But I started a sales career. I started working with a party plan at that point, direct sales, network marketing, because it was the lowest cost to start up. It was the lowest barrier to entry as far as knowledge and lots of great training. So that's where I started with my first business. And then I evolved into multiple other businesses since then. Okay. So when you started that, you were at home with the kids and able to work like very part-time as you grew this network marketing business. That's Yeah. And I also at that time, I had a laptop that somebody in exchange for a part-time teacher thing I did for them, they actually gave me a departmental laptop. And so I said, with this new thing called the internet and with this laptop and with my experience, there has got to be a way to work for other people from home. So I called an attorney I used to work for. I said, what can I do from here? So I did some billing calls for him. I did some spreadsheet reconciliation. I called another school and said, let me consult with you on your yearbook marketing. Let me format your, you know, so I was side hustling even with my side hustle. I was figuring out ways to leverage electronics to bridge the gap of having to always get in the car and be away. That was always just kind of in my mind. And that's so impressive because that was very progressive for 1998-ish. Because I know that at that time, I'm thinking back like, I think I had maybe just gotten email around that time. And Mm -hmm. email was used for like limited communication. It wasn't like a daily thing. And so I think that's... That's it amazing. was email and bulletin boards. Yeah. Email and bulletin boards was about all at that point. But I think that you also, I think when you're a mom and you know, you were coming from a place of like, I have to make this work because I'm going to meet the needs of these children. And I think that that's what moms do. And I think that it's so impressive. You know, I was actually talking with someone yesterday, someone who is significantly older than me who was making some suggestions about how maybe I should, you know, be looking toward retirement and all these things. And I was kind of laughing because I was like, I don't see limits on what I can do or how I can do it. And largely because of the internet in many ways. But it's interesting that this person was like, well, you know, you only have this amount of time and this amount of years. And like, you know, here's how you should protect yourself and be like building and saving and with some very valid points. But I also feel like if we're in an age and you seem to be there much earlier than many people, we're in an age where there doesn't need to be limits on that, which is so amazing for moms because we don't have to be limited by like Monday through Friday, nine to five, leave the kids, unless some people want that and that's fine. But I think that's so fantastic that you have shown that You can be really innovative with really new technologies. We don't have to rely on the things we've relied on in the past. And so for moms to really be looking at what are the newest things and like throw some things out there and see what sticks, because that's certainly, I'm sure a lot of your stuff, did it feel like trial and error? Did you really feel like you had a good sense of what you were getting into as you got started? I was just kind of figuring out as I went along, but you know, I was doing the same thing with parenting, you know, for for being honest. And I was doing the same thing with being married and we bought a house, you know, when I was still in college. So I guess maybe that's just part of my wiring is I'm not afraid to mess up spectacularly. I'm not afraid to try new things that don't work. I thought Mm -hmm. there's got to be something that I can do, but 
regardless, I'm at least going to be trying. I'm not going to sit here and wait for somebody to give me a prescription. I'm not going to sit here and wait for somebody to hand me something. I'm going to figure something out, even if it means I get better at my sewing. You know, my mom had always sewn for money or taught piano lessons. So I had been raised in a culture of you hustle to pay the bills. You know, you hustle to make the month and the money match. Right. So I just knew my skill set was very different than my mom's. And, and I knew there had to be a way to make it work. And I was determined to figure it out. So did you have any epic messes that you made along the way that you would like to share with us? Oh, yeah. My first couple of businesses, I did great with them, but I mismanaged my money just by inattentiveness and poor records and those kind of things and ended up six figures in debt. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. And my husband is a financial planner. Oh, no. And I was managing all my own business books and my own business cards and those kind of things. So that's a, you know, fun conversation, (laughs) letting your, you know, when you finally sit down, the first step was sitting down and writing it all down and thinking I was about 30 grand in debt. And really it was six figures, not counting the car in the house. And then having to have that conversation with him. And so the joke now, because it was too soon before, but the joke now is, you know, you're in debt when you have to tell your husband 30 grand at a time, you know, and so, (laughs) so you have to kind of see how that first 30 goes before you reveal any more of it. But, but then my third business is where we kind of felt like all the things were clicking. And that's when I paid off all that debt in two years and then retired him. Yeah. Retired him to work at home with me for 12 years. So yeah, I have some spectacular messes. I have products (laughs) that haven't sold. I have, you know, contracts that I have sent the money back to people because they just were not a fit to work with me. I've been fired from a couple of service position gigs because expectations from my end were not really clear. And, and I say fired, I could have held them to contract, but I chose to walk away from those. And, you know, you learn from those things and you grow from those things. If you retreat to the corner and pout and rock back and forth, it doesn't get anybody anywhere. Right, right. I totally agree. So when you switched from into that third career that you created, tell us about that. And what did you build there? And how was that different? Yeah, so this was in early 2002. And the fact is, I was the heaviest I had ever been. I was 266 pounds. I was more in debt than I had ever been. And the kids were little, it was starting to be obvious that my son had something going on and we couldn't quite pinpoint it. Husband was gone all of the time. My parents had just moved 3,000 miles away and we moved actually to their house to pay their mortgage for them so that they didn't have to sell it while they were on the mission field. So I had just distanced myself from every support system I had and it was a dark time. My journal from that period was so dark that I honestly burned it when I was in a better place. And everybody says, oh, you shouldn't have done that. You should have it. No, I just really don't want to revisit that place. It was really dark, wondered about my worth and like it would be better. You know, I had done all the numbers on my life insurance policy and known that it would pay everything off and that it would provide care for my son. I know it was a dark, awful place. And people that know me can't believe that I would even go there because I am such a joyful, optimistic person. But it was just a lot at one time. And I applied for about 50 jobs that were really great. 
I gave up. I decided to go work for somebody else and I couldn't get an interview. I absolutely could not get an interview. And I remember just sobbing to my husband in the kitchen one day and saying, I just don't understand. He said, I feel like, and we're people of faith. And so he said to me, I feel like this is God telling you to stay home. And I said, yeah, but we've got to pay these bills. We have to pay these bills. I've gotten us into a mess, have to pay these bills. I don't think we have that option. He said, well, why don't you start an online publishing business like your friend so-and-so that used to do your newsletters when you were in sales? And I said, yeah, but she's already doing that, right? We (laughs) we always do that, right? I said, she's already doing that. He said, Carrie, just do me a favor. Just call her. Call her and let's just give it three to six months of Carrie kind of effort. Because I do tend to throw myself into stuff. He said, let's just give it three to six months of carry kind of effort and see where it goes. So I called her. She laughed because she said, I'm serving 100 people and there are 10,000 in that market that you could serve. And 100 is all I want. I'll even mentor you. So she kind of taught me the software I needed. And, you know, within about six weeks, I decided that there was a better way. I could have a programmer patch that software and write some code. And anyway, long story short, within two months, I had exceeded her client load. Oh my gosh. We did it very respectfully. When people weren't a fit for us, we sent them to her and vice versa. We never recruited from each other's clients. We stayed friends and you know, great allies for several years in that business. But we built up a customer base of 1,700 of those 10,000 people. 1,700. I mean, that's a huge percentage of the market. We had 10 people in different cities that I still to this day have never met working for us, other moms that wanted to be at home. So that was 2002. Early 2002, I was a pioneer in the virtual administration business. These were all VAs, really. And we templated that business. After two months, I said to him, we're almost growing too fast. This is crazy. And it almost feels illegal, like we're printing money. (laughs) This was before you could do like auto pay, auto subscriptions. We were still taking checks. Oh my gosh. And then he started doing QuickBooks Online where he would manually run all the charges every month. I mean, this is how we evolved. And Sarah, we were still on dial-up. Oh, that's right. So, My gosh, yeah. how did you get anything done? We were on dial-up and he and I only had one line. So when he was wow. working, like I had to be disconnected. And when I was working, you know, oh, that is and, so funny. and all, our newsletters were big PDFs because there were not any compression tools at that time. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out how to upload them to a back-end server, I forget what it's even called now, and put it on a back-end server and then give the client a link. That's before that was common. That's before you could just drag and drop. So, So it was a relentless pursuit of figuring out how to do it faster, better, smarter. We paid off all of our debt within two years. We had a really amazing team of 10 people. We've since sold that business to someone else. It's still going strong 14 years later. And so we hit upon a combination of a serve. Well, it was a service business, a service business with templating and processes in place. And in learning and perfecting that business, I learned about direct response methods, online marketing, coding, those kind of things. But people started noticing and saying, who are you? Where did you come from? How are you at both at home in the middle of the day wearing shorts? How, how are you? <laughs> and in the meantime, we had two more kids 
so I started speaking about it yeah. and people said, Carrie, you need to tell more people. You need to tell more people. You need to connect them. Everybody feels alone. Everybody that's working at home right now, early 2000s, feels alone. So he had nicknamed me the barefoot executive when I was pregnant with our third child I because in the South, well, in the South, we have a funny, you know, we like our women at home barefoot and pregnant where they belong. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, yeah, every day of the week because you're also an executive making right. upper six figures. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> so he's like, you be a barefoot executive as long as you want to. So he really nicknamed me that. And I wrote on my vision board. He said, you have to write a book. That was in 2003. He said that. Okay. 2011, a publisher approached me in 2011 and said, we want you to write a book called The Barefoot Executive. And I guess the rest is history. Now yeah. I speak and write full time. I consult a few high-end clients, but I, I don't even do a lot of info products anymore. I'm mainly creating content and speaking. And I do work with, full circle, I now work with party plan companies and sales forces and real estate companies and insurance companies that have an independent sales force, I go in and I'm hired by the company to train and motivate their people. That is so cool. So it's kind of full circle. Totally. I, started, I started as one of the sales force and now I'm kind of the sales force silver bullet. So, yeah. but that was 18 to 19 years in the making. Right. So it wasn't instant. It wasn't anything we could foresee, but the dots connected as they do, you mm -hmm. guys, patient enough to build enough dots, they will connect. Yeah. I love the beginning of the story when your husband was encouraging you to do something that someone else was already doing. And I think that as women, we often think like, well, someone's already doing that, so I can't do it. Or someone's already doing it, and right. I won't be able to do it as well as them. And what a, an amazing example of asking for help, learning that your competition is not really your competition. It's right. actually someone who can compliment you, which is so often the case. And yeah. then you don't need to ever worry about others' work or other success stopping you. Like just because someone else is successful in a certain area does not limit your ability to be successful in the same area. And I think that right. we get held up by that so many times as women. So tell yeah, us. Yeah, and I guess, I guess because of how she was with me, her name is Elaine. I guess because of how Elaine was with me, I've never been anybody that was threatened by copycatters. I mean, I could name five copycats of my brand right now. I could name, you know, five derivatives of things that I say and do that came out after me. The newsletter company that I created that did so well, they don't serve near the same population we did then because all of the sudden when people saw that it was a working model, they couldn't copy it fast enough. And I've never really gotten that worked up about it because Sarah, nobody can be me. No. Nobody has my story. Exactly. Nobody has my same network. And I'm not saying mine's any better than yours. I'm yeah. saying it's just different. Yeah. They're just yeah. different. So a lot of my really close friends are in competing markets with me. A lot of my best friends are public speakers competing for the same gigs <laughs> I am. And we want the audience to have the best experience possible. So nine times out of 10, we're like recommending each other. Isn't it's kind of so, crazy. Yes. I'm like that with speaking stuff. I'm like, oh, no, no, pick this other person over me. Like they're because I think right. you really you live in awe of your I don't even want to say competitors, but you live in awe of the people who are doing the same work as you. Right. And you're all striving to be as good as the other person and just in a positive and like empowering way to everyone's work, which is really, really lovely. Yeah, because if you're all in competition mode and checking out everybody's Facebook page to see what they're doing and stalking their email list to see what they're up to, it's going to freeze you. You right. just can't do that. I'm not on anybody's email list. Not one single email list am I on. Nice. 
Not one. Because <laughs> number one, I have too much email as it is right. already. As number two, do. I don't want to have to wonder, was that my idea or did I see that in yeah. somebody else's stuff? If they're friends of mine, I don't want to have to, you know, worry if I need to have to comment or hurt their feelings or, well, you know, whatever. So I just really keep my head down and focus on my own stuff, my clients, my own expertise. I listen to a podcast occasionally. I go watch a YouTube video occasionally, but I'm not an info edutainment junkie right. to where I have that stuff pumping into my veins. Yeah. I just don't. I do my own work and I'm motivated by my results and my clients' results, not by what everybody else is doing. The best picture that came out of the Olympics, the best picture, was the picture of Michael Phelps and the runner-up yeah. to several of the races. And the runner-up kept looking at Phelps, like yep. the whole race kept turning his head. You know what picture I'm talking yes, about? Yes. And Michael is looking straight ahead to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And this guy can't quit watching Michael. Right. And he even admitted, he even admitted that he struggles with that when he races. Right. And you know, the fact is, I don't want to be distracted by what somebody else is doing. And then knowing me, I'm just going to cheer them on. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, you, I'm so proud. I mean, that's just kind of my nature, right? right? But I just do my own thing. And I've encouraged my kids to be that way. My daughter, when my oldest daughter, when she was a peewee cheerleader, I noticed in practice that she was cold on everything. She did it cold. It was awesome. Then they moved her to the back row, and I noticed she started faltering. And I noticed it was because she was watching everybody else. She was guessing herself. So I just kind of always mentally keep myself on the front row. I swim in my own lane, keep my blinders on. Let's mix as many metaphors in there as we possibly can. (laughs) And that's what I do. That's what you have to do. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. 
So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Nice. You keep a lot of balls in the air and you make it look very graceful and lovely. So what's the truth about how you juggle motherhood and your professional passion and maintaining a sense of self? Yeah, it's not easy. There is no perfect balance. My kids will tell you there are some times that you know, they have to sacrifice time with me. Like I just got back from seven days away and I never, ever do that. But I got a couple of back-to-back opportunities that were very lucrative and a couple of them were also very image transitioning. And so for my goal this year of a different positioning, it was a good fit. Yeah, That's something I teach my client is always know your motive. Is your motive profit? Is it prospects? Is it creating new products? Is it creating new pathway? Or is it positioning? And when you're moving into a new market or niche or focusing like I am now with the corporates instead of the end user, it's a different positioning. So when I get an opportunity that moves that position in a big way, it has to be something you really evaluate, discuss with the family, etc. So they gave up a week with me and thank goodness for FaceTime and thank goodness for texting. But by and large, they would tell you that I'm here all the time and that I'm available all the time, which is not always true because I do have scheduled work hours. Here's how you get it done. You do make a schedule. I recommend everybody get up before their kids, even if it's just 30 minutes. Oh my gosh. I just did a recording on that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you wake up reacting to the kids, you're reacting all day long. So you have, you first have to decide to take control of your day. And it doesn't mean it has to be ultra scheduled, but you need to know the plan for the day. And then you need to get your shareholders, which is your family on board with your plan so that they know what the expectations are. Resentment comes when we have unmet expectations and unmet expectations are a result of a lack of clear communication about what the expectations were in the first place. Right. Right. So And also that being said, my house is not ready for company all the time. You know, it would take a little bit of work. So that's (laughs) one area that we have some give and take on. You know, I have kind of a standard uniform that I wear. So I can just, you know, me and Mark Zuckerberg and President Obama, we just reach in the closet. We wear the same basic kind of thing every day. I have a dinner plan by nine every morning so that I know how I'm feeding my family later that day. I do not do the laundry. Somebody in the family does the laundry. You know, when you have kids that are a little bit older, they need to start helping. Even if they don't do it the way that you would do it, they still need to take some responsibility. I don't dedicate a lot of time to working out. I probably should more, but at this season, I just don't. I do, however, really manage what I'm eating, and that's how I'm losing weight. So I choose to manage on one end and, you know, let the other end go for now. That's a choice. It's what I do. And I only accept about one speaking gig a month usually because I don't like for them to be without a parent at home and I don't like to be away from them very much. So it's give and take, but there does have to be a time of day that you cut it off, that you turn it off, that you tune out. Here's an example. I also have really good boundaries. And I think you can have boundaries without being, and I'll just go ahead and say bitchy. That's not something I would say in conversation, but it's catchy and everybody gets it. Yeah. Everybody's afraid to say no or to have boundaries because they think it makes them look better than everybody else or that they look like a diva. And it's Mm -hmm. just not the case. So today on Facebook private message, which incidentally, I hate Facebook private message because it's yet another (laughs) inbox that I'm having to manage. I don't have Messenger on my phone. I hate to even go in there because then they can see if I've been in there. They can track my time. I just really don't like it. Anyway, there was somebody that popped up on one of my kids' school pages and said, I need to message you about something. So I assumed it was about school. 
So I went in there and it was somebody whose husband was an avid fan of mine like seven years ago on Twitter. And she says, I don't know if you remember us, blah, blah, blah. And I do remember that they were always pushing for me to like schedule coffee when I was in town and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well, now I live in town with them and now my kids go to school with them. Oh my gosh. And she said, yeah, she said, I just want to make time to have coffee or lunch. I really want to visit with you about getting me back on track and blah, blah, blah. You know, which to her didn't seem like a huge request, right. but- I didn't even have to think about it because this is one of my boundaries. I said, of course, I remember who you guys are. I remember the success you were having then. However, I don't do lunch or coffee. It's one of my personal boundaries and how I protect my off time. I'm also, yeah, I'm also not taking new consulting clients at this point, but I can recommend and I gave her three recommendations and why they were good in alignment with her And I said, and I can't wait to see you around the campus. I hope you'll wave and let me know who you are if we're there at the same time. Perfect. So So a lot of, yeah, a lot of people would have a hard time saying no, or they would go and then they would resent that they were doing that. Well, how do I justify to my corporate clients that I charge so much that I'm giving away all this other time? Or when do I stop saying no when other people in the church or the school or the neighborhood see I'm giving away all this advice or time? And then when do I get my work done? I mean, when my kids are at school is when I'm working. It's when I really need to be working or doing some self-care. So I have these scripts and these boundaries really in place to protect me. I've practiced them so that I'm nice. And she responded very positively. She was grateful for the recommendations. She let me know she was planning a women's event for next year and asked who to contact about me speaking and those kind of things. So it was all good. It's when we hesitate or when we don't have clear boundaries for our own selves that then we second guess, we give our time away, and then we have that martyr mom syndrome. Uh huh. And martyr mom benefits nobody. No. Nobody. No. And so, you know, I was able to say no firmly, but kindly give mm-hmm. her some recommendations. And I don't look like, I mean, she may think that I'm a diva or whatever, but somebody else called a couple of weeks ago, good, good friend. She works in essential oils, has a great downline. How much would it cost? For me to hire you to do a dinner for my team, go out with my three or four top performers. And one of them I go to Sunday school with, ironically. And I said, now she's a good, good friend. I adore her. Mm -hmm. I said, that's not something I even offer at any price. Good because Because of personal and business boundaries that I have in place. However... And I named the girl that I know. I said, she'll get the benefit of hanging out at church functions and in my class. She's in my Bible study class every week, spending time with me there. And I know that you and I get to hang out when we have the kids together. But because of my personal and business boundaries, that's just something that I don't sell right now. That is so great. I'm totally going to steal some of these things. <laughs> please, please, I teach it I just relentlessly. Think, I think it's such a, those boundaries are really challenging and I've gotten better with that over time. And I think that all of us, I mean, I think that that martyr mom is, I relate to that very much. And I'm very good about certain kinds of boundaries, but I think that when you become more successful in business or you become a more visible person in your community. So I have a local gym, people, you get just a lot more of those requests. And sometimes it is uncomfortable or because of the relationship with the person or just all sorts of different variables and connections, it can be really uncomfortable. So I'm taking notes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. If I have somebody that stops me at church and says, I want to pick your brain about such and such and such and such, I'll say, that's great. Go ahead and go through my website and submit a request to my admin so we can see if that's something that fits our scope. I had somebody else stop me a few weeks ago. And of course, what he wanted was free coaching. Somebody else stopped me a few weeks ago. I brought something for you to look at and give me some price advice on. 
And I put my hand over his bag where he was about to pull out whatever it was. And I said, that's not even in my line of expertise. I don't do merchandise-based business. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea, but let me give you the name and number of somebody who does. They're going to be more benefit. Well, if you'll just look at that. I said, I'm telling you, I have no experience here. It would be a waste of your time and mine. Yeah, yeah. I said, and honestly, I prefer not to do business at church. And I'm yes. going to need you to respect that. This is like a third, kind of a third request. Right. I really, you know, prefer that we not do business at church. Which you so, would think would kind of be like an assumption between people. Well, yeah, but except if they've already gone through the website to try to get to you and they've already, okay. you know, sometimes they're just going right. to, they're just going to try to do what they've right. got to do. But so you've anyway, already, you've got to practice these things, but we yeah. have to be firm with those boundaries. And that means... That we have to be working when we say that we're working. And if you're hanging out in yoga pants and watching your shows on Netflix and experimenting with your Vita Blender on your new Frappuccino recipes and surfing <laughs> Facebook, then you know you can't in good conscience tell them no. Right. But if yeah. you're really working on your business and really making progress on your goals at those times then it becomes easier to say that's not something I do. Telesummits are another something I've had to start saying no to. Yeah. I would make an exception if it was somebody like Michael Hyatt or Dave Ramsey mm -hmm. or one of the guys that I owe a favor to for some reason. You know, mm -hmm. I would say yes if it fit into my promotional calendar. But for the most part, I have to say because of the volume of these requests, I have a firm no on these for the next 12 months. You know, something like that. And you can say no. And then I would say, however, have you considered, and I'll give them three or four other names and contact information of other people in my same area right. so that they're not left hanging. Right. You bring up, you know, I did an episode on GSD, Get Stuff Done. You bring up such a good point that, you know, anytime you're saying no to, or anytime you say yes to something, you're saying no to a whole bunch of other things. Right. And so if, you know, right. those times that you are doing those things where you haven't set the boundary that you really wanted to set and you've given into something, you aren't actually getting work done. You aren't actually working toward the goals that you want to be working toward. And that is a, such a sacrifice. And you end up sacrificing these precious moments. And as a mom, you know, I've had to start thinking about like, this is time that if I go and do this thing and I'm not working when I've set time to work, then I'm not going to get the time with my child this evening. Right. That's not okay. That's not appropriate. That right. doesn't work for me. So. Time invested in one area mm. is time taken away from another. Yes, definitely. And so, it's okay. It's okay not to be with your kids 24-7. I'm not yes. saying that at all. <laughs> but if I'm going to be away from them, think of a shareholder. If I'm going to be away from them, there needs to be a return on investment. Right, right. You've started addressing how you are a shameless mom, but can you tell us other ways that you are a shameless mom personally or professionally? Well, holy cow, all you have to do is read my Facebook to know that I am yes. just endlessly, endlessly encouraging and edifying and building up my kids and also correcting them. I mean, I'm a strict mom. I'm a corrective mom. I have a special needs child. I have, you know, one that's really pursuing the arts. I have one in college and I have the baby who's just attached to me at the heart. And I'm also, you know, that same kind of shameless sister about my brothers and shameless friend about those kind of things. But my kids, oh my goodness, I always wanted to be a mama. That was my biggest yeah. aspiration. And they have certainly made that dream come true for me over and over again. However, they are not the center of the universe. My kids are... <laughs> My kids are very clear that there is a big, big world out there. And I want them to think so much bigger 
than their zip code and so much bigger than their skin color and so much bigger than the pop culture music and pop culture TV. So I'm a shameless mom in that I pack them up and we travel every moment that we can because they learn by seeing and smelling and experiencing and doing. And so people that have just shut off their brain and said, well, I can't afford to do that. Guys, you could jump in the car and drive somewhere for the day and be back in your own bed. You could go strawberry picking. You could go see how bees are hived. I mean, so many things to learn and see and do. We've got to be that shameless first source of education. We have a saying here that mom before Google (laughs) If you want to know something or if you're curious about something or maybe somebody said something that you don't think is necessarily appropriate and you're Mm -hmm. curious about it, you go to mom before you go Google. So I'm not only a shameless. Yeah, I'm not only a shameless mom. I'm a safe mom. It doesn't mean they're not going to have consequences, but I want them to get their information from me first. And they know that if I don't know, I'm not going to make something up or just tell them it's not important. We're going to find those answers together in a safe way, in an age-appropriate way. And then we're going to learn how to apply that. Like, what does this mean? So my kids are well-traveled. They are respectful kids. They have big goals. And I just have no doubt they will achieve them because they just watch and see how to do that. They watch and see how to keep at it. We're not quitters. You know, we finish what we start. Those are some of the family sayings we have, you know, well, that's Wilkerson's. That's what we do. We finish what we start. Well, uh, another way I'm a shameless mom is my kids all are very clear on how to use a stage and a microphone, (laughs) whether they're singing (laughs) or speaking or giving us, you know, a campaign speech or doing a narration piece. I don't care if they ever kick a soccer ball through a goal or if they're good at any sport. But a kid who has no fear of a microphone can conquer any other fear out there. Yes. My son has recently become obsessed with my microphone here for recording. And like, yes, I'm like, you can have it. Like, do what you want with it. Because the first time I was behind a mic was in my late 20s teaching spin class. And I was terrified. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be so loud. Like, what if I scare people? Or what if people like hear me? Or what if I'm invasive? And and then I started talking and I was like, this is amazing. Like, I want to be loud. I want to be invasive. I want to be right. powerful. <laughs> right. Well, and that's how you are heard. You know, my yeah. oldest daughter was my most shy and she decided to take an improv class when she was in high school off campus, like a community improv class. She said to me, mom, I, I want to be like you. And I said, what do you mean you want to be like me? She said, you always know what to say. You never seem to be nervous in front of people. So I want to be like you. So I think this improv class would help me be more in the moment. And it it literally changed everything for her. It taught her never to say no to the situation. That's the first rule of improv. You never say no. So that doesn't mean like safety stuff. That just means to the situation as far as where the mood is, don't shut it down. Don't tell yourself no. So the very next year, she started running for class officer and National Honor Society president. And they had to give speeches. Well, she, of course, would make fun. She'd say, you know, all the other kids would get up there and go, hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm a cheerleader, and I think you should vote for me because I've been in this school since I was in kindergarten. And, you know, and she said, that is so not how you're going to do a speech. Well, she was not considered a popular kid, but she would go in and use the formula of like a quote or a joke to get their attention. And then she would do her statement. Then she would tell a story and then she'd wrap it up. And she rocked every office. I mean, she won every election because of this improv skill. So even my little, the nine-year-old has done three presentations with a microphone and sung a solo. I want them as a shameless mom, I want them to be comfortable with their voice 
comfortable with other people hearing them and comfortable making a statement on a stage in front of people because I think then nobody will get anything over on them. They will never feel unheard or powerless. I love that. So I have one final question for you, Carrie. Can you tell us, describe the legacy you're building and how does being shameless play into your legacy? You know, I think if we all are who we really are, but shameless, turn the volume up and be shameless with those things that rock about us. What a better place would that be? I mean, if we would quit apologizing for our quirks or for how we're different or for what sets us apart and instead celebrate those things, I think that would be an amazing thing indeed. I was a musician too, and my parents would shush me singing in the car. Like if we wanted to hear singing, we wouldn't have the radio on, you know. (laughs) And I don't know why that was, and I'm certainly not criticizing them. It's their car, it's their radio, you know, whatever. But I always felt kind of tamped down about that. And I remember, and I I probably didn't give it another thought. And then when Katie Grace started singing so much, all my kids sing, incidentally, amazingly. And when Katie Grace started, she sings a little bit more like Ethel Merman, Bette Midler, like loud and from her toes. So I remember in the car one day, one of the other kids shushed her. And I I like snapped. I'm like, "Uh -uh, (laughs) uh-uh, nope. I said, nope. I said, you listen to me, guys. When you've been given a gift and you have a joy from that gift, I can make you a promise that unless I'm on a phone call or talking to somebody at a drive through window, I will not shush that gift. I would rather yeah. hear you practice that gift than listen to somebody on the radio that's getting paid for theirs. Right. So, you know, I think that applies. I'm a shameless mom because I don't want to shush their gifts. I want to celebrate their gifts instead. That's so great. I appreciate that amazing advice and input. And I think that we all maybe have just uh, changed a little bit of how we might be a little more shameless <laughs> moving forward as moms. Based I on love that. it. So Carrie, thank you so much for your time. This has been such a privilege and an honor for me because I've admired you for a long time now. And I want to make sure that other people know where to connect with you. So where can we find you? Yes. Yeah, so my website is CarrieWilkerson.com. Carrie is spelled like Stephen King's prom queen. <laughs> CarrieWilkerson.com. I have a blog there. I've got lots of videos, lots of content to check out. And then also I'm pretty active on my Facebook business page, which is Barefoot Executive. So just go into Facebook and search Barefoot Executive and I'm there. Also on the website, I have a seven day free video coaching series, three to five minutes. If you're working a business or a side hustle, maybe you just want to prioritize your life as a stay at home parent or how to fit it all in. If you're a working parent, it's a seven day video series, no obligation just go grab, you know, access to that. And those are all free resources. Excellent. So I will make sure I will link up to all of those sites and pages over on our show notes at shamelessmom.com. And this will be episode 62. I'll be linked up over there for people to find. And Carrie, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I really appreciate it. I've learned so much. So I know that our listeners have too. And all of our mamas are going to have a better day and a better future because of the things that you shared with us today. Thanks for having me, Sarah. 
Thank you so much for listening today. It was my pleasure and my honor to sit down and chat with Carrie. I had such a great time and man, I feel like I'm walking away with so many new little bits of inspiration and motivation and I hope that you're feeling the same. So if this is your first time listening to the Shameless Mom Academy, know that we release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. And if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, you will be able to subscribe. So when you subscribe to the podcast, you get those new episodes as soon as they are released. They will be downloaded to your device, wherever your podcasts live. Additionally, when you're over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review, you can leave a review. So if you love the show, I would love to hear about it. So feel free to leave me a review and let me know what you thought. And along those lines, thank you for spending time with carrying me today. I hope you learned a lot. I hope you're feeling motivated to go do great things. And always remember, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.